With the Supreme Court potentially overturning Roe v. Wade, it has a lot of prominent voices rethinking the issue, which leads us to today's video. Did Joe Rogan's stance possibly change on this issue, shifting him from being historically very pro-choice to more seemingly pro-life? Recently, Bill Maher came out and revealed some facts he didn't know about the pro-life movement until this week. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Now, both of these guys have been historically very liberal and very non-religious. But is it possible that some of the radicalization we're seeing has pushed these guys further and further to the right. Why are you pushing me over to the right? <laughs> so on this video, we're going to be reacting to Joe Rogan and Bill Maher's commentary in light of the recent Supreme Court leak. Now, to be fully transparent, I am a person of faith. But in today's video, we'll be looking at some non-religious reasons that may be causing a shift to some people in the pro-choice community. Bruce I was watching Crystal and Sagar, and they were talking about this overturning of Roe v. Wade potentially coming down and basically saying, oh, look, the right, quote unquote, played themselves on this issue. Now, historically, full transparency, I am registered as an independent. Uh, this is not going to be a religious argument for this issue, but they referenced this Joe Rogan episode and how people who are seemingly centrist that have been pushed to the right are waking up to this issue because it's not as crazy as some of the trans stuff and the Florida bill, that this is actually way more sensible. And they're saying, the left is saying, this is a woman's right. And so I want to react to this Joe Rogan clip that they referenced because I actually went and dug it up to see if what is Joe Rogan actually saying. And there's this other clip from Bill Maher. And if you can wait and stay with me till the end, especially if you aren't sure about the pro-life position or you want to ascribe ill intent, but you're willing to give me, uh, just hear me out and consider three things that I'm going to tell you at the end about the pro-life movement that may shock you, amongst other things that Bill Maher found out this week. We're going to be reacting to all of it. Let's jump right into this Joe Rogan clip. Uh, there's going to be some profanity in this. So hide your kids, hide your wife, smash that like button one time for the YouTube algorithm. One of his latest podcasts with Doug Stanhope. The question I was curious about is, has Joe Rogan, who is not a person of faith, he identifies as agnostic, who has is staunchly pro-choice, has he shifted at all on this? And uh, let's check it out. Some, someone leaked something that says that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, I don't know if it's real. Everyone's already commenting on it as if it is real. I don't know if it is real. But apparently what that means is that it's going to be up to the states. So people who live in states where uh, abortion is already, you know, like blue states, I don't think they have a worry. But uh, other states probably do. You know, it's kind of... I appreciate him clarifying that. Most folks don't know what Roe v. Wade even means. They think it's this is it. This is it. This is hands made, handmaid's tale, right? So Joe Rogan clarifies and says, no, if you're in a blue state, this doesn't affect you. If you're in a conservative state, this is going to affect you, potentially affect you a lot, all right? Now listen to what he says next. Hey, medical tourism. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's it's weird people telling other people what they can and can't do with their body. is weird because, you, like, Texas is a weird law. No, I shouldn't say weird law. A terrible law. We're at six weeks. Okay, so he thinks... That it's about telling people what they can and can't do with their body. I'll come back to that in a moment. But he says, Texas has terrible law, six weeks, heartbeat law. 
Okay, that's what the law is in Texas. I believe that's what the law is in Alabama. Remember that what got pushed up to the Supreme Court was a 15-week ban. Remember that date because that's important. We're going to come back to that in the Bill Maher clip. You just missed your period. Like people I just found it. out I had COVID. Yeah, I just found out one of my close friends and his wife were pregnant, and they're at five or six weeks. So, I think a lot of people find out they're pregnant that early. But I digress. Exactly. Could been, exactly. Could have been a baby ago. And girls who have irregular periods—that happens all the time. I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm I, I, I love I love Rogan. Like uh, I think I think what women have you know whatever. Like I think that's just, just I appreciate his candor and his honesty. Let's keep watching. But uh, that's what I hear. I hear it happens all the time. And so for the longest time, you know, people have dealt with that and just sort of live their life and take a pregnancy test. And now you find out that you're pregnant. You literally have like a week to find a place, get an abortion. If you want to get an abortion, make a decision. You have to make a decision. You know, like if something happens to you, like what if you get raped? Anything like that. Or what if, uh, you know, some uh, like a family member. So people tend to go to this logic and it's okay. I think there's a lot of anchoring bias that many people exhibit in this. Watch how Doug snaps back in a second. But just to be clear that if you combine incest, rape, um, mother's health, all those things together, if you combine all those things together, that is less than one and a half percent of all abortions. Okay, so I understand that those are realities and those are awful circumstances that I couldn't imagine what it would be like for a woman to be in those types of circumstances. But um, those account for less than uh, one and a half of the total abortion. So what we're saying is, hey, we're making an exception to the rule, right? We're making an exception to the rule based on the rest of the abortions, which we'll get into and what Bill Maher discovered this week. But listen to what Doug, how Doug uh, Stanhope snaps back on this. Watch this. I, I used to have a bit about it, but it's a, it, yeah. it's a talking point. Like, how is it? How should it be uh, okay in cases of rape? That's like saying a fetus yeah. is a living thing unless his dad was an asshole. Right. That's funny. That's like saying a fetus is a living thing unless his dad was bad. So that he's pointing out to some of the inconsistencies in that logic, saying, "Hey, that doesn't make a lot of sense if you're saying that this is not." Uh, a human and you know what I mean like but if it if the pregnant woman if the dad's bad then I guess it's okay that's not a human anymore right so that's it's kind of funny that he's pointing that out right 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 how right, is it right. the baby's fault his dad was exactly racist? right how is it how is it the baby's fault so now we're acknowledging it's a baby not just a clump of cells okay I appreciate that I appreciate you Doug the baby's fault that but boy- Joe Rogan acknowledges the baby. What if it's your father or something? I don't like people telling other people what they can and can't do, but it gets weird when the baby gets like six months old. Aha! But it gets weird when the baby gets like six months old. Sounds sensible. You know, it gets weird when they're really, really pregnant because in some states, for the longest, I don't don't know what the rules are now, but I know that some states have late-term abortions. And sometimes you need one for medical reasons, right? Like the woman could die if she gives birth. Like it's a... Correct. Less than 2% of all those situations count for that. Okay. So Joe Rogan is against late-term abortions. He's saying that's, that's not, not good. Okay. Listen to what else he says next. Listen to the, listen to, to what he says about what it should be. Well, if you look back, what was your favorite part of being a fetus? Ah, well, what was your favorite part of being three? You know, should I be able to shoot you at three because uh, I don't want to take care of you anymore? What a fantastic question. What's your favorite part about being fetus? Ah, what's your favorite part about being three? You remember being three? You don't remember being three. You didn't have f- full memory, full consciousness. They say sometimes babies don't even have full, full consciousness, consciousness. Where do we draw that line? Hmm. It's one of those things. It's like I am 100% for a woman's right to choose. 
but as a human being, just as a, just a person observing things, there's a big difference between a little clump of cells and a fetus with an eyeball and a beating heart. But the law in Texas is six weeks when the, he said the law was terrible, but that's what a heart, the law is with a heartbeat. And for anybody to pretend there's not, is it's, you're not doing any but argument. But where do you draw the line? Right, where do you draw the line? Yeah. yeah, that's the question. So what he says is a fetus with a beating heart and an eyeball. Where do you draw the line? He says it's something different between a clump of cells and a fetus with an eyeball. Remember what he said initially. What was bad about Texas's law? Six weeks heartbeat. Then he, in his own instance, said, yeah, but when it has an eyeball and a heartbeat, it's bad. When do you got just curious, just curious, when do you guys think the eyeball, the heartbeat, 10 fingers, 10 toes develop? What do you guys think that is? Six to eight weeks. The heartbeat, the eyeball, the fingers, 10 fingers, 10 toes. You can look this up for yourself. Six to six to eight weeks window. So if we're going to say this, if we're going to say women should have a right to choose, except for when they have an eyeball, when they have 10 fingers and 10 toes, and it looks like a human in there. Check out what Bill Maher said in some of the information that he he found out this week. I learned things this week because this put it on the front page that are pretty basic things that I did not know yeah. about abortion. Like in Europe, the modern countries of Europe, way more restrictive than we are or what they're even proposing. If you are pro-choice, you would like it a lot less in Germany and Italy and France and Spain and Switzerland. Why is that? Oh, because they have abortion bans with almost no exceptions. Guess when? 12 to 15 weeks. Ah, you mean that Florida's and Mississippi's proposed ban at 15 weeks is more liberal than France, than Italy, than Germany, than... Really? Really, isn't that interesting that the rest of the industrialized world has stricter guardrails for when a woman can't have an abortion than we do in the United States where elective abortion is legal. We're one of seven nations where elective abortion is legal past 20 weeks. Isn't that interesting? And Bill Maher, who's staunchly pro-choice, just discovered this. He just discovered this this week. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's Right. Okay. I, I learned most people who are pro-life are women. Did you guys know that? Most folks who are pro-life are women. Interesting. Not know that. Most abortions are from, <laughs> fitting for Mother's Day, mothers, people who have a kid. That makes sense. <laughs> That's a little joke he snuck in. 45% of abortions, another interesting fact, is from folks who've had one previously, folks who have had them previously keep having them, 45%, almost half, continue having them. What you're, what you're telling me is that there's a, a pattern here of the type of folks that, that are having these procedures done who have had kids or have had them before, and, and let's be honest, probably should know how biology works, right? I thought this is interesting. Most abortions now, even when you go to a clinic, are done with the pill. Yeah. The pill. And so all this talk of back alley abortions and it's going to go back to women dying in the streets. That's what he's getting at. Remember, Bill Maher is, is an atheist 
staunch liberal that recently been pushed in the right. Liberals are easy to get in America. We know that. So, you know, for the people who say we're going back to 1973, we're not. No. That, that's just factually inaccurate. And with how easy it is to get a pill, I'm wondering if this is, what do you think, is this going to be the galvanizing issue that the left think it's going to be? Is this going to be the galvanizing issue that the left think it's going to be? Two folks that are not religious, two folks that are starting to think differently about these things, saying, hey, it's different when there's a cluster of of cells, quote unquote, even though we would say that when you create unique DNA, human DNA, that it's more than just cluster cells, but based on their logic it's different it's going to be something that it, it looks like a human has an eyeball has 10 fingers 10 toes has a heartbeat uh yeah that's that's kind of and then they discover oh wait by the way ah we got some of the loosest wildest abortion laws honestly being consistent with some of these things that we're seeing being more open to the idea that you know what the folks who genuinely are pro-life aren't just about trying to limit a woman's rights that there's half of the folks getting aborted are other women think about that for a second right so it's not just pro-lifers want to oppress women and take away their rights no 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 no. when we're looking at the biology when we're thinking these things through it's a bit more nuanced than just making a caricature of the folks on the pro-life position and saying you're you want to oppress women you're bad Right. It's it's a bit more nuanced than that. And I appreciate that Rogan, though clearly he's not pro-life and Bill Maher, who I'm assuming is not pro-life, is being more objective in having these conversations. And I'm going to give you three more things to think about. Three more things to think about with regards to this conversation that have nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with religion. Hey, this video is brought to you today by our very own Bless God Shop. The name Bless God is inspired by Luke chapter 2, verse 28, where Simeon encounters a baby Jesus in the temple and proceeds to, quote, bless God. The apparel is intended as a daily reminder to live our life in a way that brings honor and blessing to God. Check out the link to the shop in the description or in the pinned comment below and pick up some of the most sustainable and high quality apparel out there. Few more things to consider with this conversation have nothing to do with religion or faith. One, When Roe v. Wade passed, we did not have the same technology that we have today with regards to things like sonograms and now especially 4D sonograms. And if you look at what helps reduce abortions, a lot of times it's vans, 4D sonogram vans being parked in front of abortion clinics, giving away free 4D sonograms. Now, the sonogram is actually what shifted something that was pretty revolutionary in the pro-life movement. Dr. Nathanson, and you guys can go look up his story, was a staunch, staunch, staunch pro-abortion practitioner for the majority of his career. And what happened was he slowly started looking at the technology and started seeing what that was in there. He started seeing the the baby in there and he started seeing all of the details and all of the particulars. And in the 80s, he ended up seeing a video of a 12-week abortion happening. That's the first trimester, okay? And that instantly led him to no longer practice this act anymore. And he ended up releasing a film, and you guys can go look this up, and it's called The Silent Scream, where you can see the facial expressions. You could see the baby pulling away from the vacuum. You could see it experiencing pain. You could see all of these different attributes that are unique to a human at 12 weeks, okay? And remember, 
the, 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 the developed world has a ban by and large at 12 weeks. So Google the story of Dr. Nathanson and look up what one of the biggest staunch proportion, uh, proponents who was a part of a lot of the, the early pro-choice movement with the Roe v. Wade and how he completely did a 180 with regards to that because there was technology that gave us an insight and that as the technology advanced, it's only became more and more and more clear. So I want you guys to really, really, really consider that. In 30 states... When a mother is carrying a baby and is murdered, it counts as double homicide. In 30 states, we acknowledge that the other person in there is a person with rights, and their rights are violated if someone destroys the life of the mother and their mother. And so what happens is the person who destroys that life ends up being charged with what? Double murder. This is a fact. You can look this up. So we have all these indirect ways of acknowledging that that's a that, that that's a you know that's a human in there, but when it comes to terminating this pregnancy in, in the case of an abortion, all of a sudden we're okay with it. Logically inconsistent. Either that's a human in there that deserves rights, or it's not. Okay, and you have to you have to determine on what that is. But why would we then uh, acknowledge that? Hey, in the case of that happening to a pregnant woman. That is actually double murder, two, not just one murder. Why? Because we know. And the last thing to consider is that people will say, well, if there were more safety nets, like in the European nations, if there were more people who were willing to adopt, like Christians who are all about pro-life, but they're not really about pro-life, they're just about pro-birth. Okay, well, something to consider is, one, uh, people of faith, and specifically practicing Christians, adopt babies at more than double the rate of the rest of the population. And so if we're looking just at the raw numbers, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are you're adopting babies at double the rate. Add on the top layer of how expensive it is to actually adopt a baby somewhere in the range of twenty to eighty thousand dollars to adopt a baby if the uh, adoption process was uh, less less restrictive if the adoption process was easier I wage I, w- I believe that Christians followers of Jesus who are pro-life would be willing to step up and adopt more kids if the process was less cumbersome. Okay, if it was less cumbersome, if it was less expensive, that you were going to do with all these babies. Hey, you know what? I know quite a few Christians that open their homes. Okay, and I don't go on here and I don't flex this in my personal life uh, on here as like a a virtue signal flex. We are raising a child right now that's not biologically ours. Right. I'll spare you the details of it. But we're raising a child. There's a lot of folks that if you if you cleaned up that process and you made it easier, people of faith will step up. People of faith will step up and they'll and and they'll step up and they'll raise these kids. Another thing is don't lump all pro-life folks into the same um, the same spectrum. In the same way that we wouldn't lump everybody on the pro-choice side into the same category, we would say that hey, folks over here don't. So so there's folks that are really 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 extreme. They think things like condoms are bad and sinful. They think things like birth control should never be given out. I'm not on that. I think whatever you can do to reduce. Unwanted pregnancies, with the exception of not aborting them after they're conceived and they clearly have a heartbeat and they clearly have 10 fingers, 10 toes, they clearly have an eyeball, right? Whatever we can do to prevent that, we should do that. 
Okay, and if that means providing more resources, providing more uh, pathways to adoption, providing more condoms, providing more education on what biology is, which I don't know how you don't know what basic biology is. And if you, you know, hey, this is how this works. Maybe people don't understand. Okay, whatever we can do to provide those resources, not everyone who would say, man, I'm pro-life is against that. And I would say that it's a probably a radical fringe minority that believe condoms bad, don't give kids condoms, don't educate people on sex ed. I think that's a small minority. That's not the majority of people that are going to go, no, I think we should do our best to educate people. And so uh, abstinence obviously is the is the 100% way to protect people. But I, as a follower of Jesus, don't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. I think people who don't know Jesus aren't going to live in a way uh, that that's obedient to Jesus. Okay. So I understand that that's a reality and I'm okay with making the concession of, Hey, we should create more resources for that. Right. And I understand I get all the other complications with pregnancy. I get all the complications with the procedure being necessary for saving the lives. I get all that, but let's not, let's not use the exception to the rule and make it the rule. There's someone that can speed 150 miles on the freeway and it'd be inconsequential to them. And they're a fantastic driver because they, right? We don't accommodate uh, laws to protect the people who are on the road based on the exception of one person who may be somehow justified in driving recklessly on a freeway. No, we create laws for public safety. We've been doing this. This is this is this is why there's things that 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 are around that force you to wear a seatbelt, force you to drive a speed limit, right? So on and so forth. So let's not act like the government doesn't step in and create laws and boundaries for human conduct to protect other people and vulnerable people. Not to mention this. This act is not inconsequential on the mother's health, right? Depending on where she is in the process, like the the emotional damage that it does, the mental, the spiritual, but also the physical damage that a lot of this stuff can do, like depending on if, especially if it's in the second trimester on a woman's body. So these things, this, this, this idea isn't as outlandish as we think it is, that there are reasonable, sensible people that even if they're not followers of Jesus can look at it and be like, yeah, no, this is wild. Like, this is pretty crazy when you really think about it. And so do some research. Look up, look up what a fetus at six weeks looks like. Look up what a fetus at seven weeks looks like. And you start noticing that looks a lot like a human in there. That looks a lot like a human in there. And then look at what's actually being proposed legislatively. And then you'll realize, no, it's not just about we're going to take women's rights and da, 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 da. No, it's also about extending rights to other people that are more vulnerable that we would extend those rights to them. If they, they were in a situation and the mother was harmed, they would get charged for that. Right? So, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't say this enough. I say it and you guys get mad at me because you think I'm just talking about money and all. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, build your life in a way where you are financially stable, where your family is solid and you're positioned to take in the orphan. Because James tells us very clearly that true religion, according to God, is to care for the widow and to care for the orphan. In our context, I'd even add, and maybe you guys think I'm crazy, but I'd even add the single mother in there. To care for the widow, to care for the single mother, to care for the orphan, to take care of the least of these, as Matthew chapter 25 says. And so if you're a Christian, extra credit points, go do some homework, read Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 24 is what people get all freaked out about, about the end days and all that kind of stuff. But if you actually listen to where Jesus takes it, in the conclusion of 
Matthew chapter 25, it calls us to care for the least of these. And so I, I commend you, build your life in a way that will allow you, maybe not today, but in five years, 10 years, to open up your home and take in a child. Why? Because not only do I believe scripture encourages us to do that, but I also believe that historically, the church has always done that. The church has always extended uh, mercy to that. If, if you look at Rome and what was happening in Rome where babies were getting discarded, it was the Christians that stepped up and took some of these kids in and took in some of these babies and raised them as their own. This is in our DNA. The conversation of safety nets and do we need more safety nets and all that kind of stuff, that's a separate conversation. I, I'm more than willing to have that conversation. I think sometimes, yeah, man, we might need more safety nets. Maybe we do need to look at what, I don't know, uh, uh, better healthcare options because of how messy and that, that whole system is and how uh, the number one reason for people that people file for bankruptcy is because of medical bills. Maybe that needs to be cleaned up. I don't know what that looks like. What I do know is that to me, safety nets is something that we all have to want. If you look at the Scandinavian nations, people pay more in taxes. If everybody's down to pay more in taxes, then we can evaluate that conversation of safety nets. I'm not opposed to that. I think it depends on what we're talking about. In some regards, you guys might think that that's very progressive of me. I don't think that's that progressive to look at healthcare and be like, wow, this is a pretty flawed system. Maybe we got to figure something out, right? That's, that's beyond reasonable, right? So I think we have to figure out what those things are and say, okay, well, what, what, what are we willing to give? What are we willing to take? What I'm not for, and this is the last thing I'll say on this and then I'll be done, is I'm not for assuming that wealthy people are just going to pay for everything. Yeah, yeah, we need to we need to make healthcare free. We need to make, uh, uh, you know, we need to make healthcare free. We need to make preschool free. We need to make daycare free. We need to make all these things free, right? And and we'll just tax the rich, which is a lot of what you hear from like the AOCs. You, let's not do that. You know why? Because there's this concept called wealth flight, where rich people just take their money and just leave right? They'll go move to Puerto Rico. They'll go move other places. <laughs> They'll figure it out, okay? So don't just assume that. And that happened, by the way. That's happened before in places like South Africa, where people just left. They just bounced. Wealthy people just bounced. So don't assume that you could just indefinitely raise the taxes and assume that the wealthy people are going to be ones to pay for all this kind of stuff. Um, no, we all need to be willing to pay for this sort of stuff. If we're all willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to pay more in taxes. I'm willing to do things that, and create a sacrifice too. But Let's let's also equip people to live responsibly and to build scarce skill sets and, and, and build lives in a way where they don't need a government program. Nothing wrong with a government program if you need it. I'd rather uh, us not need it. I'd rather followers of Jesus not need a government program. I'd rather us be the government program. I'd rather us step up and privately take care of people who are really looking at this as a crisis and not just take care of them as a way to get them to birth, but take care of them as a way to get them to, to, to where men are stepping up and becoming the, the godfathers to these kids that they don't have no relationship to, but they're taking care of. That's something that I remember in their Armenian church. I grew up Armenian apostolic where you would have godfathers the older men in the church who who were wealthier and they would and they would be godfathers to these kids and it, and it was and it meant much more than just like oh something happens to the family no, no, no. they'll they'll take care of it. no no a godfather was someone that stepped up take took care of was in that child's life was around and was was invested right and so and maybe we need to see more of that like active fathers stepping up and and helping and leading and again i think the church can do a great job of that so those are my thoughts on this man i appreciate you guys watching if you want to hear my thoughts on a time where hollywood actually came to the defense of chris pratt's politically incorrect faith and views check out this video over here all right peace